0: So when I was in college one night my freshman year some friends of mine went camping in a place we called Pocket and Pocket Wilderness was like a small little wilderness there was a a trail and I had been out there hiking before and like the thing to do was to go and um, try to cross the it kind of it's not really a river but it's not quite a creek it was kind of it was a little more significant than that someplace it, it got stopped up into big ponds that we'd go swimming in it but there was a place where the only way across was to jump and you'd have to jump the creek from one rock one big set of rocks to another and it could be wet and slippery but you that's kind of what the thing that you did to go on and when you're 18 years old that's what you do well one night some friends were camping there in pocket, and i uh and we wanted to go see them, kind of scare them, hang out around the campfire. we didn't plan on staying and so we go and we didn't have flashlights and we go and we they had camped across that that crossing place that that creek place and so We had no flashlights, but we knew where things were. And so we get to that place where the creek cuts through the rocks and it's wet and it's slippery and it's dark. And well, there's nothing else to do but to jump here. And so everybody else jumped and I didn't want to be left behind. So I jumped, slipped, busted my shin, ended up being okay, we had a good time. And then later we had to jump back across. And I realized later that that was incredibly stupid. Like, I couldn't see where I was. I couldn't see where my feet were. I couldn't see where my feet needed to be. It was just this leap of faith in the dark. And I was like, if I had slipped and busted my head, landed in the creek, this could have been really bad. But I didn't think about it beforehand. And I was thinking of that story because sometimes parenting, maybe oftentimes, parenting feels like a jump in the dark, like I didn't prepare for this. I didn't prepare for this question. I didn't prepare for this issue. I didn't. I don't know how to deal with this this situation with my child that I've got to deal with. It might be early on a child that never stops crying, and you don't know what's wrong, and you don't know how to fix it, and your emotions get out of control. It could be when your kids are older, and the your kids. Um, disobey or show an attitude and it it triggers something and you're like whoa where did this come from it feels like here i am taking a leap and i don't know where my feet need to land i don't know like where where i'm at here in this darkness how do i how do i navigate this how do i navigate my feelings how do i navigate with wisdom how do i raise my kids because i love them I love them and I want the best for them. But here I am, not really sure where I'm at in the middle of all this darkness. Maybe you found yourself in a similar place and needing some orientation, needing some kind of light, needing something to show this is where you're at and this is where you need to go. Today, as we start this new series called North Star, we're we're going to be looking at Genesis 1 to see how it is that Genesis 1 helps us navigate, helps orient us as parents, not just the first verse, not the first verse and verses, verse chapter in the Bible, but really a chapter that helps us orient ourselves and our kids and our parenting. So go ahead with me, grab your Bible, turn to Genesis 1. I think sometimes in the Christian world we we reduce Genesis to oh okay God made the world cool like it's like a fact that we like believe or we assent to or maybe people in the church or in the Christian world will get will debate about well how do we interpret Genesis one and so then we get into a camp about how do we date that chapter and I think that those are both worthy things to think but I think we've done we we've done it wrong when we don't go. What does Genesis 1 mean for me? How does Genesis 1 orient my life? How is this the North Star that I'm going to navigate? This series, we're talking about parenting, but maybe you don't have kids. Maybe your kids are grown. Maybe you uh, are a single adult and you go, wait, how is this going to apply to me? What I want you to, to hear in this is to see how it is that we root our lives and orient our lives as parents in Genesis 1. Because learning the principle of how we do that can help you begin to apply Genesis 1 to other areas. But what I want to do is I want to start here in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, this first place in the Bible that talks about parenting, Help us to have your wisdom. God, orient our lives from Genesis chapter 1. Orient every part of our lives from this chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1 is the first chapter in the Bible that talks about parenting. But obviously, Genesis 1 is about more than just parenting. Genesis 1 is this, this dramatic telling of the creation story. I love it when uh, my kids have that question. They kind of hit this age, maybe three or four, when they're like, "Wait, where did we come from?" Like it, the story doesn't make sense until we like understand. I, I came from somewhere. I don't just mean like like who are my parents and how did that happen, but like where do we come from? And Genesis one is the chapter that, with great dramas, starts with this these words: "In the beginning, God created the heavens." and the earth. The the rest of the Bible isn't going to make sense If we don't know that God is the one that created us and the rest of the chapter begins going day by day, talking about what God creates and, you know, verse three, and God said, let there be light. And there was light verse six. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water verse nine. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to his kind. These are days one through five with this building drama of, and God said this, and God said this. And so these, these incredible things, light, space, stars, land, plants, birds, fish, land animals, each of these things God calls into existence with his own words. Then the drama builds to verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then This is the first verse in the Bible that talks about parenting. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the high point of Genesis of Genesis chapter one. Each of these things that we spend lots of money to go and see, lots of money to go and see the sea and the animals, the things uh, like mountains and valleys and deserts. We spend lots of time and lots of money traveling the earth to see all of these things. And the high point in Genesis chapter one is in day six, when God said, let us make mankind in our image. And so what I want to show you today, I want to move quickly through these. I want to show you seven statements that help us orient our parenting from Genesis chapter one. Uh, If you've got a a piece of paper and a pencil, go ahead and grab those because it's going to be worth thinking through. These are, this is how Genesis chapter one helps me orient my life as a parent. The The first statement is that my children are created by God. Verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We have to get it in our minds that God is the one that creates children. This isn't us. This isn't something that we control. Yes, we understand the mechanisms. We understand those kinds of things. But Genesis chapter one roots for us that my children, along with everything else in all creation, has been created by God. One of the things that I, uh, I think is that this, this truth is one of the most neglected truths in the Bible about any subject, but in particular about human beings. It is so easy for us to just begin to accept the existence of things and exec- accept the existence of people living in our house, and then we begin to ignore the fact that everything that exists exists because the God of the universe made it. And so what we have to do is to begin to go, my family, my children are actually rooted in God who created them, which means he's in charge of it. He's the one that made this. We're looking at parenting today, but we could apply this to any area, but beginning to go Genesis one means that everything that is in my life has been created by God. God owns it. God is the one that's in charge of it. And so will we bow down to him? So so it's so often easy as a parent to begin to go, I am going to rule and get my way in my house. And it's reflected in anger and it's reflected in shouting and it's reflected in a a desire for control. But Genesis one says that God created our kids. And so he's the one in charge that we bow down to him. He created us. He created them. And so will we bow down Him? to God. That has got to be the first uh, statement from Genesis 1 that we begin to go, this orients my parenting. I didn't create this. I didn't create them. God did. And so I'm going to bow to him and to his ways in their life. I'm going to introduce them to the truth that they too are called to bow to the God that made them. I want to show you the second statement that orients our parenting from Genesis chapter one. The the, the second statement that helps us orient our parenting from Genesis chapter one is that my children are the very pinnacle of creation. Verse 26, the drama of Genesis one, this, this beautiful, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, in the drama of creation these things that we think are beautiful and wonderful, and we will go to the ends of the earth to see, God says, the most dramatic, the most beautiful, the highest pinnacle in all of my creation is going to be reflected in little human beings. In human beings like you and like me, and like your kids and like my kids. Genesis chapter one tells us that our kids are the very pinnacle of God's creation. And so the act of parenting, the job of parenting is an act, is an awesome responsibility. It is an awesome responsibility because we get the very pinnacle of creation to be underneath our care. And so the the call in Genesis 1 is to to go, oh, kids, oh, people, oh, humans, is to go, no, 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 actually, when God does his very best work, He does it in human beings. And so we must begin to accept that as an awesome responsibility and to begin to try and treasure it with the kind of treasure that God has. Begin to treasure those human beings that he's entrusted to us because he thinks they are so incredibly special. So we begin to orient our parenting a little bit differently when we begin to value Other human beings, the way that God values them, as the very pinnacle, the very best thing that He could create. We live in a world, yes, we live in a world that, that begins to put people in places only for like what they can produce for us. People are valuable because of how much they can produce economically how they can benefit us, how they can make us feel. And we are called as Christians to reject that and say, no, human beings, the pinnacle of God's creation, are not to be valued by what they can produce, but because of who they are and what they are. The third statement that helps us orient our parenting from this passage is that my children are a blessing of God. Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Verse 22 has already made clear that God's blessing is like the thing that he says. Verse 22, God blessed them and said to the animal, to the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. that that verse 22 and verse 28 help us see that God's blessing is this charge, the charge to be fruitful and multiply is a blessing, not just, oh, here's a command, go and do this. Uh, God as if he's separating, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a command. The, the, The passage makes clear that the blessing is a command, that that command is a blessing. Be fruitful and increase in number. And so the, the, this passage calls us to orient our parenting around this idea that humans are blessed. To have humans is a great blessing. That parenting is an incredible blessing. Not a burden. Not a command. Oh, do this. It's instead, God said, let me give you a blessing. Go and have a family. Go and raise children. I think you're going to see here in a minute, like some of what that means and why that is. But we have to begin to orient our parenting around the idea that having kids is a blessing of God. I know that for some people this is painful because you've not been able to have children. Maybe you haven't been able to have as many children as you've wanted, and so this is a, a, a this can be a painful reality. We live in a world that of also with Genesis three, in which the fall has begun to break so much of creation but we we still are called to begin to look to Genesis chapter 1 and say God says that that family is a blessing that parenting is a blessing and so we must begin to root our parents parenting in Genesis chapter 1 not in our experience because parenting can be very, very difficult. It can be very, very hard. We must begin to root our parenting in Genesis chapter 1, not just our experience, not just in Genesis chapter 3, and begin to see it as the kind of blessing that God sees parenting as. You see, if we orient our parenting in our experience, into how we're feeling, into what we're wanting, or even into other chapters of the Bible, simply Genesis chapter 3 that talks about the pain of childbearing, If we just root it there, then we miss in Genesis 1 that God says, This is a blessing that I'm giving to you. And even in the difficulty, it's still a blessing. We must begin to orient our parenting by wrapping our minds and thinking about it the way God thinks about it in a Genesis 1 blessing kind of way. The fourth statement that orients our parenting is that my children have a purpose, my children were created to rule. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Some translations say govern, some say reign, that God has called and given the charge to human beings to govern and rule the world alongside him, underneath him. This, This passage, subdue the earth care for it, shepherd it, cultivate it, make something of this. Well, we have to begin to orient our parenting around the idea that we don't actually have to come up with a purpose for our kids. We don't get to change the purpose for our kids. We don't get to try and figure out, oh, your job is to try and make me happy. Your job is to try and make me look good. Your job is to get a good job and have a good family and be happy. Like, we don't, like, that's actually a come down from what God's charge is. That God has already given our kids built in with a job. It's not to make money. It's not to improve the economy. It's not to try and impress us or to impress the world. God has given our kids a purpose. And He has said, your purpose is to govern and rule the world with me. The purpose of my parenting is not my fulfillment. And it's not my kids' fulfillment. It's actually for my kids to learn to govern and rule with God. You go, Joe, is that real? Is that still in effect? It's actually, it's so interesting that the the very first chapter of the Bible gives this charge, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And then Revelation chapter 20, right at the very end, right near the very end It says, it's this call that says that that the the saints will reign with Christ. First Timothy chapter two, or second Timothy chapter two also lays out this idea that those that suffer with Christ will also reign with Christ. The Bible is filled with this call that the people of God, that God's creation have been created with a purpose to reign with God on the earth. And that's not been taken away. And so one of the the these statements that needs to orient our parenting from Genesis chapter one is that I don't get to create a purpose for my kids, and I definitely don't get to create a lower purpose for my kids than God does. God's vision for my kids is to rule and govern with him. And so parenting has high stakes. This is a big job, an important thing. I am actually raising little kings and queens to reign with the God of the universe. And so is my vision for parenting as big as God's vision for my parenting? Am I looking at my kids with as big eyes as God is looking at my kids? These kids were made to rule. And so I want to raise them in a way that they can rule with God forever. The fifth statement that orients are parenting in Genesis chapter one is that God feeds my children. Genesis cha- uh, chapter one, verse 29 says, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. It is the, this, the, the, this passage, God says, "I give. I have given food here on the earth to you. This is a pattern that we see throughout the Bible. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in Proverbs. We see it from when Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, do not worry about what you will eat. The the image that we get when we look in the Bible is that God provides food for his people. And it is a lie of Satan that says, go and provide for yourself. And he, he, Satan likes to use and twist Bible verses. And so he begins to point us to Genesis chapter three and says, but, but the Bible says, Genesis chapter three says that the, the work is cursed and the ground is cursed and it's gonna be hard for you to eat from the ground. But the pattern in the Bible is that yes, the ground is cursed. Yes, work is made difficult, but the pattern is still that God gives food to his people that God feeds his people. And so it can be so easy as a parent to begin to go, I must provide for my kids and I must give them the kind of education so they can provide for themselves. But if we are going to actually orient our parenting from Genesis chapter one, then we begin to say, no, God feeds my kids, not me, not them, God feeds my kids. He's promised He will do that, and He has called me to walk with Him, to work in His world. Yes, a ground that is cursed, but the God that feeds His people in Genesis chapter 1 is still the God that feeds His people in Proverbs, is still the God that provides for His people in Matthew, still the God that provides for His people in the letters of the New Testament. So we have to begin to orient our parenting, not just around economic principles of how do I make money and how do I help them make money. God feeds my kids. And so I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to parent that way. I'm going to trust that God feeds my kids. The sixth statement that helps us orient our parenting is my children are the image of God. My children are the image of God. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Verse 26 gives us this this term, the image of God. From the very beginning, nothing else has been described as made in the image of God. Image is a word that's used in the Old Testament in, in several different ways. This is the very first way. God says, let us make man as our image. It's the same word that's used in the book of Exodus. When God commands the people, when he commands Moses and he commands the Israelites to not make for themselves a graven image. The Ten Commandments says, do not make for yourself an idol, towards it to to a false god it's this same word and it's this is a really important word to know it's really this is an important distinction to know because god prohibits people making idols making images of wood and gold and stone because these false fake gods that can do nothing and do no good are imaged by inanimate objects of wood and gold and stone. But the living God is imaged into the world by living, breathing human beings. This is an important thing to know that here in Genesis chapter 1, that God is God is saying that I want the world to know that I exist. I want the world to know of, about my character and about my of my nature. I want, I want the world to know that the, the living God. Exists, and no animal can image that. No object can image that. And so I'm going to make a human being to declare that to the world. You see, kings would uh, would make images of themselves in old in Old Testament times. They would make images of themselves and put them up all over the kingdom. And so in the same way that a a, a false God would be imaged all over the kingdom by these idols, the king would do that for himself saying, this is my land, this is my place. So he would make it with all of these images of himself. And, And yet God wanted to announce to the world his nature and his goodness and his reality. And so he makes little living, breathing human beings to image to the world, the living God that exists. And what does that mean for you and I in our parenting is that we must begin to, to see our children as images of the, of God, of God declaring to the world, this is what I'm like. The living God has living images. The, the very existence of human beings in our house points to the existence of a God who lives and breathes and I'm sorry, Breeze not a good way of putting that. The, 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 the living God who, who acts in history is imaged by little human beings in our houses, by teenagers in our house, by grown children that come back and see us. They image God in a way that nothing else can do. We see it in the New Testament when Paul calls, says that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the meeting place of heaven and earth. There's nothing else in all creation that declares the existence of God like humans do. Which means that Satan hates it. It means Satan hates the image of God reflected in your children. And so the very existence of children in your house and in your life, the very existence of human beings in your life is something that Satan hates because he hates God and he hates all images of them. He hates it in your kids. Gloria Furman says that because Satan hates the image of God, that even a crying baby drives Satan wild because the image of God is reflected in that little baby, in those acts of crying, that little baby images God and Satan hates it. And so some of you know, maybe you have a child with disabilities, somebody in your life that, 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 you care for and life is difficult for you and for them but even those with disabilities declare God in a way that Satan hates and so the call to us is to not agree with Satan is to instead say this is the image of the living God and I want to honor this image and the God of the image wherever I find it. And so let's not join Satan in mocking and hating and putting down and ignoring and shoving people to the side in our thoughts, in our words, in our jokes. We don't want to agree with Satan. We instead want to orient our lives around this idea. My children are the image of God. I want to honor that. I want to parent children who are living images of God, declaring to the world the goodness and greatness of God. And the seventh statement that orients our parenting from Genesis chapter one is that my children relate to God. My children relate to God. This this passage that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then it leads in drama up to this, let us make mankind in our image, has undergirding all of this this reality that God exists in relationship to man and to the and through man to the world, that God exists. Is in relationship to man throughout this process. And so the the call to us is to orient our parenting around the reality that our children are made for a relationship with God. My children are made for a relationship with God. And so what is the goal for our parenting? If this is the reality of Genesis chapter one, then what is the goal of my parenting if if they're actually made for him if they're made to relate to him if they're actually made to relate and mediate between God and the world to rule the world alongside him man am i parenting my kids towards that relationship with God am i parenting my kids so that they will take their rightful place governing alongside and for the God of the universe or am i just setting up my own goals for my kids Are are, are you parenting your kids so that they will take their rightful place, governing the universe with Christ? Or is it just to try and pass the time and pay some bills and have a good time in the process? Can Can we actually begin to wrap our minds through these statements around the idea, I want to orient my parenting around Genesis 1 where God creates family. God has bigger plans for my family. And I want to come back to this reality that my kids relate to God. And so I'm parenting my kids for him. Maybe you, you hear these kinds of things. And then if you're like me, you think through days filled with distraction, disappointment. Days filled where I'm actually not parenting my kids towards a relationship with God. I'm just... I'm just trying to get through the next day. And I've brought my eyes down to a different level. If this is God's standard for a parent, I don't meet, a, I don't meet that standard. So where is the good news for somebody like for you and somebody like me? Where's the good news for us who fail in so many ways to keep in mind that my kids were created by God, the pinnacle of his creation, called a blessing by him, made to rule with him, promised that he would feed him, Given the dignity of being his image and called to relate to him, where is the good news for somebody like for you and for me who parent honestly on such a low level? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for your parenting and for mine. The good news of the gospel is that God doesn't just dump this load of here's here's how you should parent in our laps. And then when we fail Him just kick us and say, do better, do better, do better. The story of the God, the story of the Bible is that that Jesus came and lived and died, lived and died for parents like for you and like me so that all who repent of sin and trust in Christ alone to be saved can be given Jesus' record, can be given Jesus' identity, and then can be given the power to parent in the way that God has called us. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for parents so that he could remake us, so that we could raise our children in the Lord, the way he's called us to do it. And so one of the invitations in this passage is to begin to say, "Am, am I actually trusting in Jesus to save me from my parenting sins? And then to empower me to raise kids in the Lord the way he's always dreamed. So this passage calls us, orient our parenting by Genesis 1, where God creates family. And I want you to imagine with me how that how that changes things. When we begin to orient our parenting, when we begin to orient our lives around Genesis chapter 1, what kind of difference could that make? What kind of difference could that make in difficulty? When we go, this is actually the scope and call of that I have. This is hard right now. Parenting a rebellious child, parenting a hard-hearted child when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, when I don't know the way out, when I'm depressed and I'm trying my best. This passage says, gives us hope in difficulty because it helps us understand that God is intimately involved in our parenting. He has bigger plans for it and he's not left us alone. uh, when we begin to grasp Genesis one for our parenting and orient our parenting around that, then I feel like that raises the stakes we're not just trying to help our kids get into a good college now we're actually preparing them to rule we're not just trying to to have an easy life we're preparing we're preparing our kids to reign and then i think it also it empower, it can empower our parenting when we begin to orient our our parenting around genesis chapter one. We begin to be empowered as we go. Actually, the God of the universe is intimately involved in my parenting. He's not left me alone. He's not ignoring me. He is instead. He cares more about this than I do. And I feel like that gives a kind of empowerment to parents to go, oh, look at what God is up to. And I get to cooperate with him in the lives of my kids. And Genesis chapter one helps us see that. Let's pray. God, as we hear the goodness of your purpose for our families and for our lives in Genesis chapter one. Fill us with hope in the gospel. Help us to rest on the bedrock of the gospel and help us to have your vision for our families, not our own. In Jesus' name, amen.